Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Asia Town Voice. My name is Yin. I'm here with Johnny Wu. Hello, everybody. Arya and Sapna Kumar. Hello. Hi. And uh, what is Asia Town Voice? Well, Asia Town Voice is an hour-long nonprofit radio program on WJCU's 88.7 FM. We're on every Sunday from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. This hour-long program provides an inside look at the Asian Pacific Americans community and their culture, education, and events that they have going on in Northeast Ohio. Asia Town Voice is volunteer-based, and we hope that listeners will enjoy our program and give support to WJCU. This way, we can continue to provide you many voices with many choices. Well, um, that opening score that you hear every time that we st start on the radio is composed by our guest today, Arya Kumar. Hi, Ian. Hi. So um, what, what was your inspiration for composing that? Did Johnny just kind of call you up and say, hey, we need a music score? You know, pretty much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've worked with Johnny before on a number of different projects, mm -hmm. and a lot of them have been Asian-themed. So I'm very familiar with the type of instrumentation that works really well. Mm -hmm and that can combine really well. Um, back when Johnny asked me to write a little intro sequence for the TV show, mm -hmm. Asia TV, that was my first opportunity to try and combine a lot of instruments together from different Asian cultures. So mm -hmm. this radio intro is sort of the same thing. Oh, wow. Kind of combines a couple of different instruments from China, Japan, India, all into one theme. So uh, what what background do you have in music? Did you just kind of play around? Because we know you're a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's mm -hmm. true. Um, so in terms of music background, I started uh, my training with classical piano. Mm -hmm. That was around age nine. Mm -hmm. And I continued that until uh, the beginning of college, actually. Oh, wow. So I was performing at recitals, playing Rachmaninoff, Beethoven, what have you. Mm -hmm. And up to that point, I, I sort of really enjoyed that. But then I started getting involved with a lot of bands, with friends, you know, okay. just sort of playing around, playing at weddings, playing at people's backyard parties. And mm -hmm. eventually I started to say, you know what, maybe I should try and write my own piece of music. Yeah. And so I did. And one thing led to another, and I started writing music more for the bands I was performing in. Probably around the same time, I became really interested in movie music. Oh, really? Yeah. So that kind of really uh, set the tone for me in terms of where I was going to go next. Because mm -hmm. after after I graduated from high school and and uh, from college, I decided to let me try, you know, writing some movie score type music. Mm -hmm. So uh, did you know Johnny before this? Uh, did he influence you any way? So actually, I met Johnny after I moved to Cleveland, mm -hmm. and uh, it was after I had written a few different pieces of music. Mm -hmm. And I decided to send them out to different filmmakers to see mm -hmm. if they could get placed, because it's, it's all fun, you know, to write your own piece of music and play it for yourself in your living room. Mm -hmm. But then if it doesn't really go anywhere, you right. know, and you think it might, you kind of want to see if it, if it has the chance. Mm-hmm. So I had sent out some music online to a couple of different filmmakers in Texas and California, and actually they got they ended up being used in films. Oh, wow. So I decided to look more locally since I was in Cleveland, mm -hmm. and I found the Cleveland Indie Club. Mm -hmm. So I started going to meetings. I introduced myself to Johnny, and around the same time, he was starting to create his short film, A Joker's Card. Mm -hmm. So I was able to get involved with that, and that was my first project with Johnny. Yay. Yeah, he gave me this look. There's a plug for a so, yeah. Joker's card. Oh, wait. 
That's our joke, Bell. <laughs> I, I remember Ariel sent me an email asking me how he can do do to promote himself in Cleveland because you know not nobody here knows about him making music. And what was the re- response I gave you, Ariel? Uh, I think you just said come to indie club, network. You know, just get your music out there because once people hear, you know, if they like your stuff and they hear your stuff, then they'll end up talking to you. Yep, and after a Joker's card, he became very well known in, really? in all over Cleveland. Almost like everybody asking <laughs> him to write the music for. Yeah, for that that was a lot of fun. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Sounds like. I think I don't know where I was. During. What year was that? Two thousand four. Oh really? Yeah, that was a good year, Johnny. It was a very <laughs> good. It was, it was a very fun year. Yeah. I was. Uh, oh, I was busy causing trouble in Kent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, Sapna, what about you? Um, are, are you musically inclined? Did you do you play an instrument? Growing up, I did take classical piano as well for a few years. Um, but once I got, I guess, further advanced in school and college, mm-hmm. it was just hard to find time. Right. So unfortunately, I didn't stick with it. But mm-hmm. I do love music. I think both of us really value the arts, mm-hmm. um, performing arts, music, dance. Okay. So does do you guys collaborate on any of the pieces that Aria writes? Um, she's your inspiration, right? <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> I well, mean, every now and then when we're at home, Aria will be working on a project, and I'll listen, I can hear it, and I'll kind of come in and say, oh, I like that part, or, you know, say, oh, this part could be a little bit like, you know, this way. Mm-hmm. I have a consultant now, you know, as oh. I'm writing a score. <laughs> yes. I can say, hey, why don't you come in here, t- tell me what you think this sounds like, you know, <laughs> don't look at the video. Does this sound scary, or does this sound romantic, or whatever? Okay. And so I can kind of get some feedback right away as I'm writing it. That's pretty awesome. In all the music you have composed so far, Aria, which, um, what kind of influences do you have in those music? So particularly, I, I really like writing orchestral scores. Mm-hmm. Because the orchestra, the Western orchestra gives you a lot of different character with the different instruments, a lot of different tones and textures. And depending on the project, you can always add other instruments in there. You can add Asian instruments into a Western orchestra and make it sound really grand and um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon type score-ish, you mm-hmm. know, really majestic. Or you can have a really, really small orchestra um, and just have it be really intimate and... Um, uh, you know, sort of small, depending on the setting you want. So there's a lot of flexibility in terms of that kind of score. So I really like using that approach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you talk about orchestra, it's very natural to say, well, you know, who's your Hollywood inspiration or right. things like that. And there's a number of comp- Hollywood composers that I like. Danny Elfman is one. Mm-hmm. John Williams is another. Hans Zimmer is is, is up there as well. And they all have... They all have a few different approaches. So Hans Zimmer does a lot more electronic type stuff. John Williams is the classic, you know, Star mm-hmm. Wars, Jaws type yeah. themes, very grand, majestic. Um, Danny Elfman, he did the original Batman theme. Mm-hmm. So he does a lot of more whimsical type of tunes. Didn't he wrote also Beetlejuice? Yeah, yes, he, he did. Did he really? Yeah, he did. No yeah. way. A Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I know the <coughs> I think I like uh, Tim Burton always hired him yeah, to do exactly. his music. Yeah, exactly. No, who is Hans Zimmer? I've never heard of him. Hans Zimmer, he's actually a very prolific composer. So really? he, he did the score <laughs> to The Lion King. Oh. Gladiator. Gladiator. Wow. So, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the Peacemaker, um, mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of scores that he's done a lot of music to. Okay. Hmm. I, I don't know why I've never heard of him. So, Sapna, okay. when did you move to Cleveland? 
I moved to Cleveland in June of 2010 mm -hmm. after I finished graduate school. Why Cleveland? <laughs> well, actually, Not because of Aria, right? <laughs> well, yes, because of Aria. Oh, really? I was living in Boston for optometry school, mm -hmm. and Ari and I had met. We actually met online, hmm. so we were doing long distance while he was here in Cleveland, and we did that for almost two years. Wow. And then I moved here after I finished school to start working. And that was, yeah, that was about three years, two and a half years ago. So where do you work now? I work as an optometrist on the east side at two different offices. Okay. Yeah. So hmm, Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, my husband and I, we did long distance for a while. It wasn't as far as Boston. It was <laughs> Cincinnati and Cleveland. And it was such a pain, especially in the winter months. Yes. Like, maybe we saw each other once a month, and that was difficult. So. Actually, we would go, when we were long distance, we would go probably like a month at a time sometimes. Usually mm -hmm. it was two to three weeks because our schedules worked out so well. Mm -hmm. But now if I go just like a weekend without him, yeah. I miss him so much. Yeah. <laughs> now we're spoiled. <laughs> but then we think we used to go months, you know, weeks before. Well, I mean, did you guys fly back and forth? Yeah, usually we flew. Wow, like mm -hmm. it's pretty expensive i mean did work back then flights were actually pretty good like i used really? to get round trip cleveland to boston for 150 really not anymore not anymore yeah we can tell stories to our kids back in those days yeah. <laughs> flights were only you know yeah. back in those days we used to get food on flights yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's true and you know it's funny actually they'll be like well that's nothing now we can teleport you know <laughs> i know <laughs> I could just see that. So do you, both of you guys, remember the first word you say to each, said to each other? The first word? In person or online? Online. <laughs> Good question. So you had to tell yeah. them the story about the phone call. So yeah, actually, yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, so we met online, and, mm -hmm. you know, the first the first contact you typically make is by email you know. or, mm -hmm. you know, some sort of non-voice interaction. Um, so we did that, and, you know, I sent her a message and said, hey, it would be great to talk to you. Well, we did AIM messaging for a while, a little okay, while. That right. was big back then. I remember AIM. <laughs> <laughs> so, who, so who talked to, to who first? Ira, you spoke to <laughs> Samna first? Or oh, go she? ahead, tell, tell. So I actually messaged Aria. Like I, it was an Indian dating site, mm -hmm. and I saw Aria's profile, and I just kind of said, hey, if you want to talk to me, just you know, feel free. Mm -hmm. And he actually emailed me back, Aww. and then I emailed him, and then we exchanged AIM contacts, mm -hmm. and we were talking on AIM, but then yeah, Aria really wanted to talk on the phone. Because, you know, there's only so much you can do over AIM to right. really see if, you know, there's... There's that connection or whatever. It's you. hard to to go through emoticons, you know. Yeah, and that exactly. only goes so so far, right? Because we're all yellow and bald, you know. Right, <laughs> right. Um, so then I I I sent you an A message or an email that said, uh, "Hey, you, you do you want to you know talk over the phone some point?" And uh, the, the message I got back was, um, "What was the message?" Well, I really wasn't <laughs> feeling well. I was sick, and I my my voice sounded different. So I was a little nervous for our first oh. phone call to be when my voice didn't sound right. And of course, Arya's thinks like, "Oh gosh, she doesn't want to talk to me." <laughs> is that what you thought? Well, that was my first thing. I was like, "Oh, is this uh... <laughs> burn?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but eventually, we did have a phone call um, yes. after she got better. So. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. he still doesn't believe me to this day. That I, <laughs> oh, that I saw a teaser about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, how did you guys know that you were the one for each other? 
our first uh, the first time we met was actually in New York City. Mm-hmm. So uh, my fa- some of my family lives in Philadelphia. So I was back there mm-hmm. visiting in March over spring break, I think, or the equivalent of spring break, and uh, we decided to meet in New York because it was midway. Mm-hmm. So on Pi Day. Actually, oh, 3.14. Yeah, we yeah. actually met in New York, and mm-hmm. we met at Grand Central Station. and uh, Got to spend the day together. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was our first meeting, and then it just sort of grew from there. Really? Yeah. So you didn't move to Boston, she moved to Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. Was it because Cleveland drew you in? Or is it? Well, I'll be completely honest. Before I met Aria, I did not know where Cleveland really oh. was on a map. <laughs> because, you know, growing, I grew up in New York, and it's really just East Coast, West Coast, mm-hmm. and Florida. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything else in the middle is kind of a blur. But uh, after I, when we were dating and doing long distance, I had the chance to visit mm-hmm. Cleveland a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually really happy with the move. It's a great place. Mm-hmm. Boston was nice for school. That's where I went to school. But I think yeah. long term, Cleveland um, is a great place for us and a great fit. Okay. Yeah. The cost of living here is great. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, <laughs> the people here is people great People are too. really great. And, right. and culturally, there's so much to offer. Even though it's a smaller city, there's mm-hmm. great shows. I mean, Lion King's coming to town. We oh, saw yeah. Les Mis. Yeah. Did you like Les Mis? I loved it. My fourth time seeing it. Really? Wow. <laughs> so you're a yes. fan. A hardcore yes. fan. I haven't seen the movie yet. Oh, you need to check out a movie, too. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a little bit different. Gotcha. I like, I don't know. Is, is it still good, though? Is it like a good different? Or? It's a good difference. It's a very different. I watch both of them, and I'm, I'm never a, a Broadway person, so oh, I like when Broadway. I went to watch the show, it <laughs> felt very, very different. And I like the movie because it's in your face, emotion. You can see it very right. closely. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, but I like the stage because if it's very interesting enough. And I was, I was, you know, I'm one of the guy who be watching about the the set design or the mm-hmm. the table and the, uh, the chairs, how why they can move by themselves. I'm trying to figure out how they do that without a remote <laughs> control. Is there somebody pulling a wire or not? Yeah. So that's kind of stuff I do. I check it out for. But I actually enjoy both of them. Huh. Okay, great. Yeah, I, I'm always afraid that uh, movies kind of ruin the quality of like a, a live show. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'll probably end up watching it when yeah. it comes out. On comes out today. Is this it really? Yeah, I already got my copy. <laughs> oh, on video. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, uh, I'm gonna go visit Redbox now. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, where were you born? Um. Either one of you. I was born in New York City. Okay. Actually, and then I've pretty much my family's still in upstate New York. Okay. About an hour and a half north of the city. That's where I grew up. Now, are you uh, second generation then? Yeah, well, my parents moved here in late 70s. Okay. So she's the first generation. And I actually first was born here. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. generations. First, second. Oh, gotcha. First generation would be the people who yeah. just actually Yes, I know. I, was just I always get confused by that, too. ABC? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually be ABI. Well, uh, well... A, B, C, D, American born confused AC. No, just too many letters. Yeah. Is there such a thing as A, B, C for other group? Is that what? That's a good question. I never heard about anybody used it for American mm. born Indian or whatsoever. Yeah, because mm. it's C, B, A um, or A, B, C. I'm a C, B, A. Chinese born American. Yes. Oh, oh okay. Yes. Sounds like a business. I know. Yes. I know. Some degree. Yeah. Yen Tang CBA. Yeah, I know. What is their 
keep doing that and see what people have to say. Like, this is You'll figure it out. <laughs> what about you, Aria? Uh, I was actually born in England, oh, uh, wow. south of London, and uh, actually moved to uh, Kuwait after that. And so I grew mm. up there for about 10 years. And then we left Kuwait after the invasion mm-hmm. uh, in 1990 and went back to England, lived there for a year. And then eventually my family decided to move to Philadelphia because that's where my dad found a job. Do you have a natural British accent? Uh, I apparently used to. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and I came, I came to the U.S. And then after a few years of going, you know, in, in the schools and stuff, I just assimilated more of an American accent. Hmm. Some words are still are they connected still? to the yeah. British. Yeah. You can hear yeah, it. She <laughs> he, says, out. he says mom for about his mom. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's true. So you guys recently got married. Mm-hmm. Correct, yes. And you have, I think, two different wedding ceremonies, one in India, one in PA, or there's three? Actually, the wedding was in New York, mm-hmm. upstate New York, near where I'm from, and that was the traditional South Indian ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, we did not have a ceremony in India, but okay. a lot of people actually do go back and have their ceremonies there, but because of time and mm-hmm. work schedules... Um, We actually had it here. Time restraint. So you went to upstate New York, um, and then you did you have one in Cleveland too? We had a Cleveland reception where we could celebrate with some of our colleagues and friends here. So um, a lot of our listeners are probably curious, but what what is involved in an Indian wedding? Uh, I know there's lots of color, lots of flowers. I I, I'm actually really excited. I want to hear this too. (laughs) So. And don't say about that there's a video because... <laughs> yeah, well, watch, watch the video. On the radio. Well, yeah, it's a very, very uh, traditional type of ceremony. There's a lot of rituals and culture behind um, each step and each element. Why don't you explain a little bit about what the steps are? Let's start from the beginning. <laughs> well, okay, actually, before, before we describe it, you know, India is, is not sort of a very kind of homogeneous culture. So... Mm-hmm. You know, one Indian wedding may actually be very different than a, another Indian wedding oh. because of mm-hmm. the region. Each state itself within India almost has its own language, sometimes different mm-hmm. styles of dress, different foods. Exactly. And and even many um, different mini traditions within the wedding. So the overall okay. wedding might be similar, mm-hmm. but different parts of it may actually have different meanings hmm. depending on where you're from in India. And actually, our backgrounds are similar, which is nice. So the traditions are very much the same. So what is the tradition then? Well, usually it starts on uh, the day before the wedding. We had a small ceremony where uh, it was a a puja called a Ganapati puja. Mm -hmm. And Ganapati or Ganesha is the god that you see with the head of an elephant. Mm -hmm. And he's a remover of all obstacles, the god of good fortune. So it's a nice way to begin the wedding ceremony, bringing two individuals together mm-hmm. by honoring Ganesha. And the next day was the ceremony where it begins. The bride and groom don't see each other, mm-hmm. so I didn't see him. And my family are waiting in the temple while the groom's family, Arya's family, and he arrives. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father greets him by putting on a garland of fresh flowers, mm-hmm. kind of accepting him. And he washes Arya's feet before he enters the temple. And then my family brings the rest of your family and you into the temple and into the area called the mandap, mm-hmm. which is basically kind of uh, like a fl- floral area. 
uh, surrounded by walls. It's kind of the centerpiece of the stage. Yeah, like it's a all stage. decorated. Okay. Would you would you be able to explain a little bit, especially for the listener, when when you said about your father had to clean Aria's feet? Yeah. What does that symbolize? <laughs> what does that symbolize? Why I had to do that? It's it's sort of just in preparation before you go into any kind of temple. Um, you always want to try and have you know cleansing ritual, cleansing rituals like of some purification. Kind. And it's just more of a tradition that the uh, the father of the the bride washes the the groom's feet. It's because you the father is giving away the daughter to you. Almost as a way of yeah accepting him. Okay. To begin the the ceremony. Okay. Exactly. For the ceremony to take place. That's pretty cool. Now, now we are from South India, uh-huh. uh, and traditionally, um, South Indian weddings have a certain tone and and you know certain musical instruments that go along with the wedding. Mm-hmm. So what we had at our our ceremony was more of that South Indian instrumentation. Oh wow! Uh, where were you able to find? It those was called players? a Nadaswaram. Yeah. That's the instrument, and it's a it's a very rare. It's hard to find people who play the instrument. Really. So we were able to get another swaram and a thavil player. Thavil is kind of like a two-sided drum. Mm-hmm. They were able to play, and they were from Canada. Oh, really? So they drove, wow. yeah, all the way. That's and, awesome. But it was a great touch. It added a really nice element to the to the whole wow. festivities. Yeah. What did the instruments look like? Mm-hmm. The Nadaswaram, actually, Arya has one at home. <laughs> yeah, the Nadaswaram is... You can bring your own. <laughs> I know. I'm going to play it yeah. in my um, But it's, it's pretty much a very long horn. It's mm-hmm. got a very nasally sound mm-hmm. that will pretty much pierce like any other sound that's out there. So really? Indian weddings, Indian ceremonies typically tend to be very noisy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People are not very quiet. People are chit-chatting even mm-hmm. during the ceremony. So these instruments were almost perfect for mm-hmm. that kind of setting because it sort of, sort of pierces through <laughs> what everyone is saying. Yeah. yeah. Actually, and with our wedding, though, people were actually very quiet oh. for <laughs> our standards. But it's funny how some of my non-Indian friends who were there, they were so surprised. They were saying, people were talking. We felt so bad. We, you know, and I, I thought to myself, oh, is, I could could hear a pin drop it was so quiet yeah <laughs> for me so now we know every time we go to indian weddings we had to make lots of noise yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll bring my um, little bowl there you yeah. go <laughs> <laughs> or some pots and pans so um but what about the process of um preparing with the henna i know a lot of women yeah. are interested in that. yeah so that actually we did the day before um, the wedding and uh, yeah you have to leave it on sleep with it overnight mm-hmm. uh, and I guess some people say, uh, some of the girls, I guess, you know, females of the bride's family, they'll say, oh, the darker the henna, the more you love your husband. (laughs) So everyone hopes that the henna is very dark. And yeah, uh, yeah, so that's nice. And they also put my name, my was it my name? Yeah, they write your name hidden somewhere in the henna. (laughs) And then I have to find it. Right. Oh, so it's you found like it a game yeah. for yeah. later after the wedding. Because <laughs> 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 well, actually, in China they do that. They um, a lot of the bridesmaids will hide candy in the bed sheets, and, oh. or sometimes <laughs> even true. eggs in there, and and um, little wait, un- raw eggs? Uh, no, they're hard boiled. <laughs> okay, I was gonna um, say. and they're dyed red. And um, yeah, I know, not raw <laughs> eggs. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's terrible. <laughs> But um, but I think it's it represents you know how many children you'll have. Yeah, how, it's like oh. an Easter egg hunt. Oh, but it, it's also sort of a game for the bride and groom after you know <laughs> you know in in the sheets. <laughs> 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 but, but um, 
It's really interesting, though, because um, when my cousins got married in China, my sister was her bridesmaid, and she's younger, so I was in school, of course, but she can go, um, you know, take a couple days off, like, in the summer. I took summer classes, too. So, apparently, something they do is the groom has to carry the bride to the bedroom, but the bridesmaids will usher her in and then lock the grooms and the groomsmen out and they have to bribe them oh. with money. They have to shove money in red envelopes underneath the door to try to bribe the bridesmaids <laughs> to let the groom back in. So it's kind Some of northern <laughs> Indian traditions do something similar before they oh, let really? the groom into the home. <laughs> Not necessarily at the end of the night, but just uh, into the home. Yeah, yeah. it's. I, I think it's fun. It's all for laughs yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. We did have actually something similar. Mm-hmm. So the young girls on the bride side of the family, mm-hmm. so um, a lot of my nieces mm-hmm. uh, and younger cousins, they have to hide the groom's shoes. Oh, really? So they'll hide the groom's shoes. <laughs> well, you know, shoes. they don't have to. <gasps> That's the fun. They get to hide the groom's shoes, and in order for the groom to retrieve his shoes back he has to offer a certain amount of money oh, really? and only oh. then will they give back his shoes right if the and, price and is right <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, so pretty much once i take off my shoes and um they have to be taken off before you can enter the temple yeah exactly oh. and when, part of the, when the bride's father is washing the feet yeah they hide that's <laughs> the opportune time to steal the shoes yeah. oh so. man so did you actually find yours or did you have to bribe them well they were held ransom yeah. And then at the end, uh, I did buy them back. <laughs> <laughs> were they nice shoes? They were traditional, yeah. yeah. Oh, they were um, oh, part okay. of his wedding outfit, yeah. so traditional. You know, I was going to say, if it were some brides nowadays and they're very nice stilettos, they might not be too happy about it. Because, <laughs> you know, some modern brides, they spend thousands of dollars on their shoes. So. Wow. Something I can't understand. So for this wedding, is the uh, daughter or the family pay for the whole wedding? Traditionally, yes. Usually the bride's family does. Okay. Um, But now, I mean, it really depends. Everyone does it differently. A lot of people will share costs just because here in the States, it's very different. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. We're not going to ask how much it costs. (laughs) No, no. uh, One of the other things is that... Let's just say my dad saved for a while. (laughs) (laughs) One of the other things is that even though we had, you know, a lot of traditions from an Indian wedding... It was still very much more of an American mm-hmm. uh, reception, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. Know, so the ceremony itself, yeah, was. Is that very because of your you doing the board marriage contemporary or the the, the uh, current? Uh, well, to be honest, I don't. For I mean, I've been to a few Indian weddings in India, uh-huh. and the only I mean, they always have food and. You know, cake and dessert, mm-hmm. but there's really no like dancing. So I think mm-hmm. that's really the only place where it becomes slightly different. Mm-hmm. Is it becomes more of a a dance party atmosphere? Okay, right. Especially after the reception, you know, after dinner, you know, mm-hmm. you have a dance floor. Yeah. So I think some of your cousins. Um, yeah, I had a lot of family from India. Really surprised. They're like, oh my gosh, this is the funnest wedding ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, had a, they had a very good time. Definitely. Um, are are there any games or any other programs that you usually throw in there? <laughs> Well, actually, during the ceremony, as I mentioned, when I walk in, I'm, I'm walked in usually by some of, like, my uncles uh, on my mom's side. However, since none of them could attend, I had my brother and my cousin walk me in. Mm-hmm. And when I approach uh, the mandap where Arya is standing, there's a mm-hmm. sheet between us that uh-huh. his brother and sister were holding, so I can't see him. Mm-hmm. And the priest recites uh, so- some religious, uh, you know, religious sayings. And he removes the sheet very quickly. But before then, he tells us, he gives us a, a leaf 
with uh, I think a betel nut betel on nut. it. Yeah, hmm. a leaf with a betel nut, and tells each of us, okay, when the sheet's removed, whoever puts the leaf to the forehead of the other person first, that person will lead the family. So it's kind of like oh. a little competition right at the beginning. Oh, interesting. So yeah. so who won? So I won. You did. Yeah. But yeah. wait, yeah. Ari had a height advantage because he was on a step. <laughs> <laughs> he was on a step. That's what I'll say. That is true. <laughs> but, yeah. So we're gonna take a little break here to listen to one of Ari's uh, music. I think I want to play the what's called fond memories. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about a little bit about that one? Sure. Um, this is more of an electronic type piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked about playing, you know, using orchestral instruments, but this one I decided to use more of an electronic orchestra. So I have a lot of different electronic sounds, and it's really more of an ambient piece. I originally wrote it just having a certain vision in mind of um, of a certain montage, and so as you sort of listen to the piece, hopefully you'll get a sense of. Okay, you know, I kind of feel this way at this point, and then it transitioned to something a little different. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, enjoy the piece. All right, Thank we'll you. be right back. that was music composed by Arya Kumar in here with this, with us in the studio and uh, you're currently listening to Asia Town Voice 
What is Asia Town Voice? Asia Town Voice is an hour-long nonprofit program on WJCU's 88.7 FM radio. We're on every Sunday night from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. This hour-long program provides an inside look at the Asian Pacific Americans community and their culture, education, and events going on in Northeast Ohio. Asia Town Voice is volunteer-based and we hope that our listeners will enjoy our program and give their support to WJCU. This way, we can continue to provide many voices with many choices to you. Now, um, we're here in studio with Ariane Sapna Kumar and Johnny. Hello. Hello. So, uh, uh, curious, Sapna, do you prefer to be called Sapna Kumar or Sapna Reddy? <laughs> well, I did change my name after mm-hmm. we got married. It was my maiden name was Sapna Reddy, last name Reddy. And now it's up in Kumar, but I'll go by either. <laughs> okay. It's a hard habit to break. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't change my name. Um, mm-hmm. Most Chinese women that I know of don't change their last names. I don't know why, mm. but uh, but I just thought Yin Schweizer sounded really strange. <laughs> 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 so I couldn't bring myself to do no, it. No, I don't so. think I want to say that. Yeah, either. Yin Schweizer just sounds... It'd be very unique. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. It's mm. like... I don't know, I keep thinking it's some sort of a car or something. <laughs> Actually, in India, if a woman gets married, she takes her last name as her husband's first name. So I guess in India, my that. name would be Sapna Aryavarta. Yeah, I've actually heard yeah. of that. That's um, interesting. Mm-hmm. My husband actually works for um, TCS. It's They're an Indian company. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I think it's Tata Consultancy. Oh, something? like the Tata Automotive Group? Mm-hmm. But but he does the computer. There's like computer division, and um, a lot of couples work there, like husbands and wives. Mm-hmm. So he was confused. He he didn't know that they were married because they had different last, last names. names. But then she, her last name would be his first exactly. name, and he didn't really understand that. <laughs> so, but um, but yeah, we had just watched uh, a clip from your wedding, and um, there were a couple of interesting things we saw in there that maybe you can help explain. Um, the first of which was the coconut and the milk. Yeah. <laughs> so um either one of you want to so during the the entire process of the the ceremony there's just different ways of offering blessings and mm-hmm. and different ways that uh, family is showing support for the new couple in, for the traditions in India it's it's really centered around uh, the coconut and the ceremonial fire mm-hmm. and the way that the families offer blessings is by pouring some milk over the coconut which both the bride and the groom are holding. Mm-hmm. And so typically in, in in large Indian weddings, that can take a long time, the whole day. <laughs> tentatively. Especially because Indian weddings, you are expecting around 1,000 guests. Yeah. Minimum. That's Insane. how. Insane. Yeah, right, yeah. The guest list. Our wedding, our wedding count was about 150 or 160. 75, yeah. Or 75, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so a lot smaller and, and Actually, people from India said, oh, wow, that's a small wedding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which we we wanted to keep it more right. intimate. And in addition to the coconut, before Ari and I are holding the coconut, my family is actually holding the coconut. Oh, okay. And they pass that to him, mm-hmm. um, almost, you know, saying that Arya will you know, protect me as a, hu- you know, mm-hmm. you know, as a husband figure. He will protect me and, uh, you know, follow certain guidelines i don't know if i should say guidelines but yeah. <laughs> um, but he basically accepts accepts me so that's how he we are holding the coconut okay um and i also noticed that y- well you mentioned that there was a sacred fire and you pour some things into the fire as a sacrifice you said well we are basically trying to keep the fire burning it's uh-huh. a holy fire uh-huh. and so we put uh, ghee 
and it's called Aralu, which is almost, uh, I don't know what the exact uh, <laughs> consistency of it is, but it, it helps to keep that fire lit during the course of the ceremony. So do you ha- does somebody have to constantly go back and light the fire? Or is it just... It's constantly burning. Yeah, once it's lit, it pretty much stays lit. Oh. I mean, there's there's enough stuff to, to burn yeah. that's in there. And I think mm-hmm. what we're doing is almost more traditional than actually, you know, fueling the fire, per se. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. So it's kind of like keeping the flame alive. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So think of it. Um, and also, um, I noticed that you were pouring things on each other's head. It was like a, a powder almost, or is it like rice? Uh, those are grains of rice, actually. Grains of rice, so, okay. Um, you know, uncooked rice. Okay. And um, you know, actually, I don't really know the uh, the significance of that one. Actually, that will signify prosperity oh. of our marriage by pouring the rice over each other. Hmm. Because if you think about it, back in the old days, farming agriculture that was wealth. So mm-hmm. if you had food to throw at each other, obviously you're pretty well off. Now that I, I think about it, interesting thing is, you know, when a Western couple gets married and after the church, they typically throw rice, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that's where it came from. Oh, interesting. Might be. Because I, I, the rice thing in Western cultures, I've actually heard of that like five years ago. I oh, didn't know okay. it was a thing. Oh. So I don't know if they still do it now as Yeah, I think often. they banned it because birds were eating oh. it and getting sick. So the wildlife were... Not doing now they too do well. bubbles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> and during the entire uh, wedding um, ceremony, uh, well, for our ceremony at least, the uh, the priest is speaking in Sanskrit, which is an ancient Indian language, the equivalent of Latin in Europe. Yeah. And uh, the interesting thing about our wedding was that he would translate pretty much everything that he said, mm-hmm. so that you know everyone was able to understand including what he just us. said. Including yeah. us. Yeah, exactly. We don't speak Sanskrit. Yeah. So that was really, really helpful, and it helped a lot of people understand what was going on because the entire ceremony for us took about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, if you're just listening to an hour and a half of someone talking a different language <laughs> and, uh, you know, various things are going on, on, on stage, in the month up yeah. on stage – you're probably not going to be very, uh, you're not going to be following it very well. So mm-hmm. when he did explain things, I think the audience really appreciated it and could understand what was going on or what was about to happen. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And for a lot of our guests, it was the first time they were seeing an Indian wedding. So that right. was, it was really uh, and even informative some of our for them. Indian, you know, friends with of Indian background, it was their first South Indian wedding. So as oh, we yeah. mentioned, it can be very different. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess you, you mentioned there were a lot of traditions that were the same. And one of the things I noticed was the tying of the uh, the sari to your, what was it, the shawl? shawl? Yeah. yeah. Is that is that traditional through all of India, or is it just something for South India? I think that's traditional throughout, and throughout. that signifies the union of our souls as the marriage ceremony is taking place. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That actually reminded me, um, in Chinese weddings, mm-hmm. um, the groom leads the bride out with a red sash that's tied around him, and it's tied around her waist, too. Okay. Um, but it's like a giant flower on him, so oh. it, it's a little bit different. Sounds similar. Yeah, yeah. but the, the color red. Uh, does the color red mean anything in India? It is a color that people typically associate with weddings. Okay. In South India, the bride typically wears a white sari with mm-hmm. a red border. Mm-hmm. And that's traditional. Um, and the groom will typically be wearing a white, uh, white-toned um, shirt, long shirt with a pant, mm-hmm. uh, and or sometimes an open cloth um, pant. 
outfit as well. North India, the bride and the groom typically wear a lot of red. Okay. North Indian tradition. Hmm. So our uh, my outfit was actually more North Indian. Oh, was uh, it? Yeah, it wasn't traditional South Indian. Hmm. So again, we sort of mixed and matched different things that we liked for the ceremony. <laughs> but but overall, it was a South Indian ceremony. Actually, I I went shopping in South India. That's where my family's from. Okay. Before the wedding, I went three three months before, so I did all my shopping there. Wow. And I could have shopped for Arya, but I really wanted him to pick out his outfit. Yeah. So we actually were able to find a really nice wedding outfit for him in New Jersey. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Now, New Jersey, hmm, interesting. Are there a lot of like shops like that? There's actually a small city that's known for, for being very populated with Indian people and a mm-hmm. lot of Indian stores called Edison. Mm, no, I've never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Johnny? Nope, nope, never heard of it. I'm, I'm yeah. like, I know Flushing, New York is exactly, like a Chinatown. <laughs> well, actually, um, in Queens, it's known for almost like being a little India as well. Oh, really? Jackson Heights. Oh, okay. Wow. Yes, yeah, so similar to, to to like a Chinatown in another city or an Asia town. You know, mm. I, I haven't been in New York in a while. My sister actually goes to NYU. Mm. Funny thing, she's actually in London right now. She's doing a semester abroad, so. Oh, great. <laughs> she's going right. to come home with a British accent. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I'll check out Queens next time I head out there to mm. see her, so. But, um, well, um, how... Johnny and I met you two is through the Cleveland Asian Festival. And, um, well, Safna and Arya are both very involved. Safna is the co-chair of the Children's Committee. And Arya, I see you around. I'm not sure what you do. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're, we're, all so, we're all so busy. We're always running around. So. Right. Now, I've been able to help out with uh, some of the marketing committee um, mm-hmm. when I have the time. Mm-hmm. And also, I've been doing a lot of performances in the past for the Cleveland Asian Festival. With Icho Daiko, right? Exactly. Now, how did you get involved with them? Because that's a Japanese drumming group. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in terms of talking about composing, so my composing stuff eventually led to me trying to explore different instruments. And here mm-hmm. in Cleveland, I was fortunate to find a workshop that Icho Daiko was offering at the time to play Japanese drums. Mm-hmm. So I ended up signing up for it and really enjoyed it. So I ended up continuing with that group. So that he said force is because uh, I was asking him to do a, some score for the Rapture, <laughs> the feature film. And I told him that I want some Japanese taiko drumming style music for, for, the, for the movie. So he had to look around to figure out how to, how to get involved and learn more. So, that's so really you forced him into doing it. I, I didn't really force him, <laughs> but I suggested that kind of music I want to go, I'm going for. You it. motivated him. How yes, about that? Yes, thank you. I motivated him. <laughs> well, what is the Icho Daiko doing now? Because I know that you guys used to um, march with us in the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Right. So, so you know, it's uh, we're actually sort of uh, taking a year off almost to mm-hmm. try and regroup and rebuild our membership. Okay. So we're not actively accepting any performances this year. Okay. And we're just trying to uh, actively get new members. And we're really trying to look out to colleges in the area Mm -hmm. for students that are interested in learning about Japanese drums or even just learning, playing, you know, drums just for fun. Now, when you talk about the the Ichio Taiko drummers, um, you guys made your own drums, right? That's correct. Yeah, we made our own drums from wine barrels. Wow. And we buy cowhide and stretch it over the wine barrels. Mm-hmm. And it takes quite a while to, to make the drum. Don't you have to soak the cowhide first? That's correct. Yeah, wow. wow. And we actually yeah. painted the drums. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that so we, ha- we have a whole bonding experience with the drums. So do you actually learn how to do that while becoming a member of the group? 
Yeah, we we do. It depends on on the year, really, because some years we just don't make drums. We have mm-hmm. enough drums and we just maintain them. Mm-hmm. But other years, when we ac- are actually trying to increase the number of drums, maybe we have more members in the group. We'll actually go out and actively make the drums.、Hmm. So, how can one become a member? Well, you can visit us online, ichodaiko dot com. Send us an email. Okay, spell that because some people do that. I C H O D A I K O dot com. Ichodaiko. So, how do you? Is there a membership? I'm sorry, Jen. Oh no, go ahead. Is there a membership to become a member of the?、Uh, No, if you're interested,、uh, definitely feel free to email us, and we'll let you know about any upcoming classes、mm. or or anything like that. So、But、it's a free membership, free learning how to put put your drums together. Well, for dues, yeah, for now, in terms、members. of just introducing people to to Icho Daiko and to Taiko, that part, depending on if you're taking classes or not. There is a charge for the classes. Okay. And then once you're accepted as a member,、mm-hmm. then there are monthly dues that you pay for the group just to help maintain the drums. It's very reasonable, actually. Okay. Interesting. Now,、yeah. are you guys teaching outside of just? I, I I mean, on a regular basis, I know you guys practice at Asian Town Center. I mean, do you teach outside of there? So we're actually trying different approaches this year because、mm-hmm. a lot of college students can't really get out to、right. Asian Town. They don't have cars, yeah, or it's、yeah. so we we might actually try having some practices and and some classes actually on different campuses,、mm-hmm. maybe at Case, interesting, maybe John Carroll. So、uh, it's something we're still exploring at this point. Okay. So we're trying to see where the interest is to really help guide us in terms、yeah. of where we where we want to set up classes. I guess、uh, my my earlier question was when you're stretching the cowhide, how do you make sure it's the right pitch? That's a you can't hit it when it's wet. That's <laughs> a great question. So pitch is actually a little less important. Okay.、Um, so all the drums are going to sound or resonate a certain way,、mm-hmm. and you're absolutely right. The tighter you do,、uh, you Make the hides the you know the higher the pitch is、mm-hmm. going to be because the the drum head is tighter, but all these cow hides because they're soaked and because they're stretched over similar sized barrels、mm-hmm. will all have the same tone quality overall,、okay. and even if the drums are sounding a little different, it actually provides a little depth to the ensemble、That's、when we、true. play together. Yeah, so it's just it's just the pattern of rhythms that you that you do in different sequence, right? Or is it? Yeah, the the cool thing about taiko is that it, I always think of it like choreographed drumming.、Uh-huh. There's different movements that you do.、Mm-hmm. There's you obviously have to keep a rhythm, and the art form of taiko actually came from、uh, well, it was pretty much invented or designed in the 1950s by a jazz drum、uh, jazz drummer from Japan. Interesting. Before that, taiko drums were more used as communication. So,、mm-hmm. you know, in ancient Japan, if there was a storm approaching or invaders, they would beat the drums in a certain way. Only one drum,、uh-huh. and the next village would hear it, and they would automatically know that danger is coming.、Hmm. So it was almost like an early form of the internet. Yeah, <laughs>、um, good analogy. So,、uh, but more recently, it's become more of a stage performance piece where、mm-hmm. different drummers will come together and will all play the same piece, have different choreography, have、mm-hmm. solos, and it's really more of a performance thing. Okay, 
You can check them out at Cleveland Asian Festival, right? Are yes. you performing? Well, this year we may not be. <gasps> so yeah, unfortunately, no. unfortunately. But if you if you're interested, we'd love to have you sign up, and and uh, we'll teach you like, some great songs. Well, I know last year Meryl, she really toughed it out. I think she had a cast on her leg. Yeah, yes. she did. Oh man, that She's that's a dedication. Trooper. Yeah, absolutely. So oh, it'll be sad. Now that we're talking about Cleveland Asian Festival, Sabna, tell us a little, little about the uh, children's section since you are co-chairs. Yes, Johnny, I am co-chair. This will be my third year, actually, mm-hmm. um, and it's a lot of fun. It's a great day, uh, and I'm very excited about this year. We're doing it slightly differently. In previous years, we've had a lot of great fun games uh, and uh, activities for children. This year, we're going to be having various organizations in and around Cleveland that will be coming and setting up their own booths. And each booth is going to have an Asian-focused, Asian-themed activity so that each child that comes will learn about some aspect of Asian culture or heritage. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely more educational. Definitely, and that's what we're trying to hope for this year. Yeah. So we're excited about that. Absolutely. Well, um, I know that we have another music score by Aria. Um, do you want to pick one for us to play? Sure. Johnny, what are my choices? <laughs> <laughs> Your choices are... No, I, I don't well, even know. Actually, why don't you play uh, And She Said Yes, since we talked about the wedding. Yes. So okay. this uh, this piece was actually written... Actually, before I even met Sapna. <laughs> but um, uh, it wasn't related to a personal experience. <laughs> let me put it out that way. It was actually for a different wedding oh, um, that okay. I'd written for. So I'd written music for other people's weddings, for friends' weddings and things like that. And... Um, this particular piece is one of the more popular pieces. Uh, some some brides actually wanted it to be played as they were walking down the aisle. Mm-hmm. And again, it's more of a montage piece. So as you listen to the piece, just think about you know what you might be watching alongside with it if it was in a movie. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Let's play that music. Uh, and she said yes.
that was a lovely piece, and I can certainly understand why some brides would want it to be played as they're walking down the aisle. Um, let's say somebody wants this piece of music. How is this on iTunes, or can they contact you to purchase music? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, they can certainly contact me, and there's different ways of approaching it. If, I, if it's a piece that's already written, mm -hmm. then I'm pretty reasonable at having you know them use it for personal use. Okay. If it gets used in some sort of film or something like that, then you know we'd have to sit down and chat. Royalties, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I also do uh, commission pieces as well, you mm -hmm. know, for more specialized things. I did. I remember I contacted you about that. Absolutely. But it was after I just purchased a, a whole bunch of costumes, so my <laughs> my went bust for my annual budget already. So. <laughs> well, we'll see about something soon, you know. Well, yeah, definitely. There's all, every year. I'm yeah. always constantly choreographing. Um, so how would people get a hold of you, Ariel? So um, I actually have a website, uh, and it is ariavartakumar.com. You might or, want to spell it. Yeah, I'll spell it for you. Or streamofmusic.com, which is uh, my recording company. And uh, there's an email link on there, so they can send me uh, an email mm -hmm. with information about it. The website, again, is streamofmusic, S-T-R-E-A-M-O-F-M-U-S-I-C.com. Dot com. There we go. That's better than the Arya Kumar, I guess. <laughs> right, right. Arya Varta, right? Yeah, Arya Varta. Yeah, right. Okay. So? Are you looking at me? Uh, yeah, I'm looking oh, at I'm you. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I wasn't sure. Johnny looked like he was going to say something, no, so no. I kind of paused. But um, but just to let you guys know, the listeners, um, we have a couple of upcoming shows. Um, next up, we will next week we're going to have Michael Bune. He is probably going to talk a little bit about Korean culture. Um, more importantly... He's the president, or no, executive director? Executive, executive director, executive. sorry, my bad, of Asia Services in Action. And he'll probably be talking about some events that they're doing um, and a lot of their activities that they have going on around the year at uh, Asia Services in Action. And then the week after that, we're going to have Jason Huynh from WKYC coming in here. Um, he's of a, a Vietnamese background? Yes. I've only met him a handful of times, so I... Are you still confused about the station he works Yes, for? yes. I, was, <laughs> I, I had an embarrassing moment with him. I, I, I asked him what a different station would think about an idea, and he looks at me. He's like, why would I care what they think? <laughs> 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 and that's when I found out he didn't work there, so... <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned. And um, yeah, e uh, other than that, we're going to have uh, Lisa Wong coming in at a later date and uh, W. Barbara Lam. Um, they're uh, on the Asian American Bar Association of Ohio and uh, talking about some upcoming events. Um, well, we definitely have the Cleveland Asian Festival coming up on May 18th and May 19th. And uh, the Cleveland International Film Festival is going to be here. It's going to be between April 3rd to April 14th. And a couple of the local Asian um, organizations around here are sponsoring films. Motivations is sponsoring Key of Life. Um, the Organization of Chinese Americans is sponsoring um, Fallen City. Um, and uh, FICA, of course, is uh, sponsoring a movie, Rafe Lamoma. Um, do you know anything about that movie, Johnny? I don't think don't know much about it, but I do know uh, Sabna is the uh, treasurer. I'm actually secretary, secretary of FICA. Secretary of FICA. Oh. Yeah, so I started last year. Mm -hmm. I met uh, the current president, Ashim Data, mm -hmm. through CAF. Mm -hmm. And uh, he wanted to try to get some board members on board, so I joined. This will be my second year. Mm -hmm. The elections took place March 23rd, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it'll be my second term, and it's been a lot of fun. It's a nice organization. It's nice to 
be involved with the Indian community here and focus on how uh, Indians are making waves in Cleveland. Absolutely. Yes, uh, Aria, are you involved in that FICA too, or are you just sitting there and look pretty? <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much uh, sitting there looking pretty. You know, I'm, I'm not uh, directly involved on the FICA board, but uh, I support Sapna and what she's doing Aww, and attend, uh, attend yeah. certain FICA they, events. They do hold uh, events throughout the year. Uh, Diwali at City Hall in November is one of our big events, Republic Day, mm-hmm. which passed in January. Mm-hmm. And we also uh, recently had our holy event. So yeah, how did that go? It went very well. It was at the Indian Community Center, which is located in Cleveland Heights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a festival of colors. So it was really nice. We had different dances and songs that were performed representing how holy is celebrated throughout different parts of India. Wow. And that was the day before St. Patrick's Day, am I correct? Correct, oh. yes. Um, actually, that day, um, speaking of past events, the Cleveland Public Library also had their uh, Lunar New Year event that day as well, and they had a baby alpaca. It was adorable. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. And they had these long-haired rabbits that I thought were pillows laying on the ground. So oh, my I gosh. was looking at them because they, 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 they actually almost look square. You know, until you walk up to them and you realize they have ears and they're actually bunny rabbits. But Actually, yeah, when they're kind of in their cozy little position, yeah. sometimes it's hard to tell. Yeah, because they poof out and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think the Cleveland Metro Parks were the ones who brought the pet, or the animals mm-hmm. in. Um, and also, uh, another past event was the Chinese Women's Association, which was on March 23rd. And uh, yours truly uh, happened to be the MC of the event. How did I go? It went pretty well. Um, it, it was really funny because uh, the performers, the people that were asked to organize the performances, ended up having a bunch of singing songs. So at the last minute, I got pulled up and asked to dance two dances. So oh. It was uh, uh. to break it up. So, but <laughs> but other than that, um, it went pretty well. Um, are there any other upcoming events? I think that's about it. There's the, uh, well, there's one more event I know of, but we can talk about it next time. Okay. We still have time for that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it looks like we have filled up our hour um, this year, or this year, excuse me, this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's felt, it's felt wow. like that long for you. Finally. That's our joke bell. Well, ladies and gentlemen, have a great evening, and thank you, Arya and Sapna, for coming in today. Thank you for Thank having you. us. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. What is Asia Town Voice? Asia Town Voice is an hour-long nonprofit program on WJCU's 88.7 FM radio. We're on every Sunday night from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. This hour-long program provides an inside look at the Asian Pacific Americans community and their culture, education, and events going on in Northeast Ohio. Asia Town Voice is volunteer-based, and we hope that our listeners will enjoy our program and give their support to WJCU. This way, we can continue to provide many voices with many choices to you. See you next week. Good night.